Weird Realities explores the paranormal, preternatural, and supernatural worlds that surround us. Here, we delve into those topics that challenge us to think outside the limitations of realism, where we test the boundaries of imagination and are forced to think outside the confines and restrictions of what is normal. We are the creators, the writers, the artists, and the insane. Welcome to our Weird Realities. Welcome to the Weird Realities segment. Weird Murders, Mysteries, and Mayhem. I am author Hadley Thorne, and I'm here with my co-host, Behavioral Health Specialist, Jen Salmons. And joining us tonight um, for the episode on serial killer John Robinson is fiction author Jamie Hernandez and voice actress Finley Jones. How are y'all doing tonight? Hi, everybody. Hey, doing good. Hey, doing good. How are you? Good. Pretty good. So what did y'all think about Mr. Robinson? That was a very, that's a very crazy case. It's, it's amazing how many times he uh, had problems with the law and still continued yeah. to commit crimes even before he started committing murder. Yeah. Yes. Well, Finley, would you like to give some background? Because I know you were talking about you had deep dived into his childhood. I, well, I I read some. He grew up in, I think I'm saying this right, Cicero, it Illinois. Cicero. Uh-huh. It's and, um, do what? Say that again. It, it's in the Chicago land area. Yeah. So he grew up in Cicero and he was, even as a kid, he was, pretty arrogant like one of his one of the guys he was in scouts with said that he was uh not afraid to tell everybody that he was superior to them but he was smart and did well in school and he was accepted into the quigley preparatory seminary and at one point aspired to be a priest and i i was reading that in a book let me get my glasses because I'm blind. Let's see. <laughs> Your um, cheaters. Do you have cheaters or do you have actual glasses? I have actual glasses. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's I see. have cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> Achievers. That's awesome. Let's see. Yeah, so in 57, I like how they the cherubic-faced Robinson seemed to live up to his boast when he was accepted at the prestigious Quigley Preparatory Seminary. The Chicago Tribune even reported the story, citing his, quote, scholastic ability, scouting experience, and poise, end quote. This was yep. quite an achievement for a working class Cicero boy, and the Robinson family was very proud. And let's stop there and discuss, well, Jen, why don't you tell us who John Robinson is? Well, he was considered the first internet killer, which I don't know if that's really accurate, but he used the chat room and um, other things to kind of lure women to the Kansas City area um, in order to, he was considered slave master was his handle. That gives you an idea of where he was at. Um, he liked to be the dominant one. Um, a couple of women that did come here from other states 
some of which he let live. He had women all over the city in different hotel rooms um, at one point and doing, you know, sadomasochistic stuff. Um, one woman decided to move here from Michigan. That was his last victim. And the mom kept contacting him and he said to her that um, she was off with an attorney and went on a one year trip and mom was like not believing him. So, um, but basically he put these women, some of these women, I should say, because some have never been found. Some of these women in barrels on his property. Now he was a guy who he'd go around all these hotel rooms and these like apartments that he had or um, long stay motel type situations. He'd put them up in there and he'd go from like place to place. And then he'd be home by five o'clock to be, you know, super dad and husband and look like a normal family man. And he kept this up for several years. There's a time period where he did serve time. They were suspicious of him. Um, they put him in jail for like probation violation. But um, and they knew that there was a woman and her child that was missing. And that's when he contacted the FBI. He's like, this, this is bigger than just he's, he's a con man because he was already on probation for being a con, a, being a big con artist. He would embezzle money with wherever he worked. Um, so he was, he was kind of a petty thief, but he actually was really good at <laughs> like, scamming people out of their money and the mom there was a mom and her daughter who he promised to enroll in a private school here and to pay the tuition and pay for their expenses Hey guys, will y'all check your mute mics? Oh. Okay, that was weird. Everybody went on mute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you guys didn't even hear half of what I just said. Is that accurate? <laughs> that would be accurate, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So I don't know where I left off. I was like, boy, they're being awful quiet as I'm telling about this stuff. Um, okay, so I don't know where would the word that leave off. We heard all but like the last thirty seconds or so. Okay, so he was a he was a con man up until a probation and parole officer in the county. Seriously, the county right next to me, like crazy. My parents live in that county, if that tells you anything. I'm like five minutes from them. Um, the probation and parole officer at that place, he was on probation or parole for many other things. They knew him as a con artist. And what got his the probation officer's attention, and thank goodness it did, was that he was pretending to be some sort of philanthropist, good guy, um, going through this organization called Birthright um, to find young women who were either pregnant 
or, uh, and he was saying he was working with his church. He went to the local hospital and the hospital, when the probation officer called him, actually said, you know, as an afterthought, hey, you know, we did refer one woman to him and we haven't heard anything further from her. Well, that was the woman, um, Lisa Stacy, who had the, the little baby girl that he ended up putting up for adoption and giving to his brother and sister-in-law. They came to, from Chicago to pick up their baby that he, because he was such a great businessman, was able to get for them for $5,000. Oh, my God. Jamie, what did you think about um, the situation with the baby? Oh, that just uh, gutted me. Just the thought of um, taking, I mean, let alone what happened to the mom, but for the baby to then be raised by these other people as a mom, that just, I can't, I can't imagine what Lisa was, you know, if, well, if she was already dead or. Yeah. Okay. yeah, she was actually, they believe that she was murdered and then it has pictures of the baby on his, on his lap, um, hours after he had killed her. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and I, I can't imagine what it was like for her then to find out when she was right. 15 years old. Yes. Um, what had happened and where she, you know, and she knew him as uncle John. I mean, the, like there was all these things that, she was starting to learn about she's like you know my uncle john is being accused of these terrible crimes and then she goes on and they show pictures of lisa and the baby's name was tiffany at the time she's no longer goes by tiffany they renamed her but um lisa had named her tiffany and she's like that's me in those pictures with my birth mother that you mm. just killed so her uncle John, like she's figuring out, oh my God, I was stolen from my mom who was murdered by my uncle John. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I saw was that she, as an adult, has um, filed suit against the hospital that the program that he was, you know, I guess implementing with them yeah that um she sued them because you know in good faith her mother went through that program to help her you know her situation um because of the hospital and he basically he went to them and misrepresented himself he was like i'm a member of this church i'm a leader in this church blah 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 and that's why they gave him anybody to work with because they believed him. Well, and, why wouldn't you? Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to set her up. And he basically got her like a, oh, stay lodge kind of thing. Like you can pay daily or you can, I think you can probably pay hourly at some of those places, but like, and put her up in there and like for a week. And, and she, she didn't pay for the bill. He did, but he took her somewhere and killed her and took the baby over to his house and had them fly in and, and look like the family hero. Cause here he, you know, got this baby because of all his great connections in the Kansas city area. Wow. 
it, it's pretty sick. I mean, what he did. And there is a picture of like the whole family and his brother and sister-in-law and the baby is sitting on John's lap and he just killed the mom. That's just so creepy. And that's just, I, I yeah. can't imagine how the baby, well, at that point, her name, or she changed, they named her Heather Tiffany. Um, but at that point she was Heather I, I just can't imagine what it was like for her to, as she gradually figured this out and then to have the DNA confirm it and, you know, learn the whole story. Well, that, you know, and then, then his, his brother and his wife. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how they felt. Yeah. They, they thought, thought not, not only did he, you know, murder the mother of their baby, but he, he took money from them to do it. Yeah, I mean, they raised her. They they thought they legitimately adopted her, and they raised her as their own, and had no idea. I mean, how do you even come to terms with something like that? They didn't figure it out. Actually, she figured it out. The the fifteen year old figured it out before her parents did. Yeah, and she, yeah. you know, she should file suit. Absolutely, and I actually it, it was through Truman Hospital. I found out and. I've been to Truman Hospital. Like, it's just crazy to me that there's so many places around here that he utilized. There was, you know, he was not only in Overland Park, in Olathe, in Kansas City, all of these places. I, these are places I travel all the time. And so I, it was just fascinating to me as I'm watching this. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I not know this? Well, at the time I was getting married and I was pregnant and had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was like 2000 to 2000, and they actually did the raid on his place to find the first barrels. And that was in um, 2000. It was June, I believe, of 2000. And, you know, they had an idea that the bodies were somewhere, but they could have been buried on the property, but the dogs found the barrels right away. And there was two of the barrels there. They did find... Um, most recent victim which was the one that came down from Michigan and he tripped himself up he gave the mom his cell phone number and the FBI was hoping that he would disclose something but he of course did not and stuck to the story and said you know I wouldn't worry too much she's probably just on vacation you know having a good time and she'll contact you I'm sure soon one of the things, I don't know if you guys read about this, but he would have future victims of his sign cards, sign different things to look like they sent them at a later date. For example, um, the girl from Michigan, the woman, sorry, the woman from Michigan who came here, um, he's like, I need you to sign these birthday cards for like your niece in a couple months. And because you're going to be too busy with me being my sex slave, I guess. <laughs> she's also supposed yeah. to do work. Um, she's also su supposed to be taking care of his dad, which I don't even know if his dad existed, but that's the story that she told her mom. Um, and basically he'd have her sign cards and letters and different things in order to look like she was still alive. And he would pay somebody to, for example, with that one, um, one of his friends made 
was going to Mexico. Can you mail these for me from Mexico? So it would be post dated. So it looked like she was still alive. That's so crazy. Just, I mean, girls, that is a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah. When he had them sign blank pieces of paper too, things that weren't like yep. cards and things like that, just blank pieces of paper. Yes. Yes. Cause he wanted to make sure that he'd have her signature. So nobody could say, you know, she's dead. Well, he would just post postmark whatever mail he sent with that on it. To, so he could say, see, she's alive. Yeah, and they were, some of them um, were supposed to be from all over the country or all over the world, but they all had Kansas City postmarks. And the woman's mother said that they were uncharacteristically mistake-free. You know, like, yeah. if, if her daughter had typed those letters, that's not how they would have looked. Right. The letters in particular, and he would he would type it up at the top, like he'd have her sign down at the bottom. Right. But he did hire someone to go out to California when, when he, he didn't hire them. I shouldn't say it like that. But if people were traveling, if he knew of somebody going somewhere, he would pay them to take those letters and mail. He's like, could you mail these out for me from Mexico? They did find that out. And from California, that was the other place. Yeah, that's not surprising to me at all. I mean, for, I mean, for he was him pretty to be smart doing... about it. I mean, yeah, that takes some real forethought. Like, I want her to be considered alive as of this date. So I can say, see, it can't be me. Yeah, I saw her back in June, but this is October when she sent that letter. Or that card for her niece. Wow. You know, Heather and I have talked a couple of times about this, but like we so easily could have ended up in barrels um, because they never really did find his first victim, which they know of. The first victim was the woman who um, her name was Paula Godfrey, and she was fresh out of high school and she went and found in the paper that basically he had put out this information on employment and it was like world traveler and you know you're going to be very busy I'd like you to be attractive I mean <laughs> you couldn't get away with that today but I mean it's funny to me because that was one of the things he's like you're going to be an executive assistant and you have to be willing to do all these things well, basically, he said she had to go to a training in Chicago. He went over to her parents' home where she lived. She's fresh out of high school. This is her first job. And said, okay, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go to Chicago for this training. Never to be seen again. Her parents tried to say, this is not like her. We don't know where she's at. We don't know what happened to her. They reported it, but she was an adult at that point. Well, that just, it just breaks my heart. Right. I know. I mean, and they believe that was his first victim, but I mean, you know, you do that first thing off the bat usually, but boy, oh boy. I mean, you, there's got to be more. He's not exactly somebody who's going to, he's the guy that's not going to ever tell on himself. 
So, so do you think that that the first time he killed was an accident and then he was like, oh, wait, that was fabulous. I need to do this again. Or was he? I think he's an opportunistic predator. Yes, I would agree. I don't think that he's someone uh, to me. He's not a typical serial killer. This is just my, my two cents worth. To me, he is someone who he's disposing of loose ends. He's yeah. not getting a thrill. I mean, he'd probably like to be spanked and all that, but you know, it's not about the thrill of the kill for him. I think it's more about the getting the money and, you know, I do think he liked that. being in control. He was actually oh, the one yeah. that was the dominant. He liked to make them bleed. The again, the woman who came down from Michigan, the hotel room that she stayed in for the first first time she came down, she stayed for a month and got to know the maid. And there was blood all over a towel. And she was like, I'm sorry, I had really heavy periods, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm pretty sure that he was cutting or doing something on her. Like he'd have her tied up. Actually, the FBI, when they first started like looking into him, they found out that he'd got a room at like, you know, let's say extended stay America. And they got the adjoining room like next door to try and listen in. And he's like, any other time, if we would have heard the things we heard, the screaming, the moaning, the that hurts, you know, he goes, we would have busted into that room, but we didn't want to go against the investigation. And some women he didn't kill. Right. He went around and one of the things I found interesting was the district attorney that was talking about it was saying, you know, I think that he was extremely like um, sexually active in, in a way that I don't think any of us expected because he was just going from like place to place, taking these women and tying them up and chains and whips did anybody catch the the reason one of the biggest reasons he got caught a lot of women didn't want to report him he slapped he one of them <laughs> well not no this is very interesting there was a woman from texas that he convinced to come up here she had a bunch of sex toys he stole them she went and reported it to the police <laughs> and she was like i want my shit back <laughs> Oh my God! Well, who was the one that he had the fight with, and he slapped her, and she went and she was going to turn him in. She asked the um, desk clerk at the hotel who he was, and that's when she found out it was a different name than the one he'd given her. And that's when I think she got suspicious. Which one was that? Wait, the sex okay, toy lady. It might have been because he actually did say, come back and I'll give them to you when you come back. And he didn't meet up with her. I mean, there there was a couple of things he did, but then she went to the police and she was dead serious. I'm getting my shit back. Like he stole hundreds of dollars of her sex toys and she was pissed off. <laughs> you just think of all the things that could have gotten him busted and brought him down. That's what it was. Yeah, and she actually was like, I'm going to testify against him. I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. But yeah, he took my shit. I went. <laughs> I just yeah. thought it was like, but he also made all kinds of promises to her. So when he made those promises, like, you know, I'm going to have you come back. I'm going to have you live here. You can just keep your stuff here. 
And then when she came back up, she's like, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any way to live. And I totally relied on him. But then he didn't show up. And I, I couldn't be with him. And so, and then he took my shit on top of that. So she was like, oh no. <laughs> he took my purple dildo. <laughs> he did. He took her purple and her red, damn it. She had handcuffs. I mean, she was like naming all this stuff that she had. Like, I, that's not cool. You're not taking my stuff. <laughs> the, 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 there's so many things wrong with that. I don't even want to touch on it. Yeah. But, oh goodness. But yeah, he was, he was sick. Sick and twisted. I think it is amazing that it was 1985 that the probation and parole officer is really the one that started connecting. Like, hey, this is bigger than just what we're thinking, guys. Well, and is he, he the one to- or she the one that connected that there were like two missing persons associated with yes. him? Yes. He contacted um, Overland Park Police, which is where he lived. Um, but it was on the Missouri side that he was his probation and parole officer here. And he was like, Hey, what's going on? You know, he's doing this birthright thing. I mean, he suspected him all the way back in 1985 and he served time during like the late eighties, early nineties, because they wanted to violate him. They knew something was wrong with him and that bigger things happening, but they couldn't prove it. So they got him on probation violations to get him sent back to prison. And then when he got out, there's big chunks where we know he was doing shit during that time. It's just, he's not going to tell us what he did, but. Well, and he has been, um, what convicted of eight murders. Is that Um, right? I believe. And they only found six bodies. Five bodies? Well, yes. And part of it is, is they found those two others, the mom and the daughter in the two barrels. And they were expecting them to be the victims that they knew of. They they didn't even know about them, right? Yeah, they didn't even know about those people. And there was tons of people that he was with that he was very abusive to. Um, and he'd get these women that are in this vulnerable position and give them drugs. And I know that Hadley, you and I had talked about this, but he had stuck a gun in one of them and said, do you want to have a blowout or something to that effect? Um, the district attorney over in Overland Park was the one who actually prosecuted him. And he said, there is no one I feel more deserving of the death penalty that I've ever prosecuted than him. Well, the things he was doing to women was just horrible. And all that he does, you can't even put a figure on the number of lives that he's devastated. Cause even the women that he'd keep held up, like he'd have keys to their, like if they had a, like an apartment, it was off a of truce, which I know you guys don't know it. But just imagine, like, your worst street in your every city. Well, Trust is ours. <laughs> like, it's it's a really bad street. And it was in this terrible neighborhood, and he'd have these little girls in there, basically. And he'd go over there and have sex with them whenever he wanted to. So he was truly a slave master. Yeah. Well, the... 
we talked about um, him being a confidence man, which to me, that's what he is. He's just a big con artist. And I'm going to say that in the 80s, not that I know, um, there probably wasn't the healthy awareness of BDSM that has kind of risen since the whole Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon, you know? Right. And it's probably dealing with a lot of broken women who probably had a lot of issues. And, I mean, he's just a shark in the water. Yeah. You know, going into those chat rooms, I mean, they're they're looking for someone to take that role with them. You know, and that's what he would do. He would take that role. He would... You know, I'll fix your life. I'll take care of you. Come move here and I'll find you a job and, you know, I'll give you a place to live. And I mean, well, the Internet when he was that was the 90s more when he started oh. that because he was putting things in the newspaper like oh. job opportunities. And, you know, these girls are, you know, like the one that was the very first one that they know of for sure, you know. She's thinking, I've got a great job opportunity. Oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm going to Chicago, and I'm going to have a training, and and she's never heard from again. I mean, he was, he killed before the internet. And so, and those are just the ones that we know of. So, I mean. And I'm curious, what is, what is the wife's take on all of this? I mean, I didn't That's read a very anything. good question. I didn't read anything about about her and whether she suspected or I want to say that I saw something with um they were saying that he had done something to her at one point. Yes, I mean, he definitely had been abusive, and she had tried to leave him at least once that. Um, they have documented, but um, did get back together with him. And I, I was thinking, he's so narcissistic, there's no way he'd be okay with his wife leaving him. Because, well, she was kind of like a beard for all of his escapades. Yeah. Well, he looked painfully he was, normal on the outside. And a successful was, businessman by stealing... Going to church. Yep. So the book that I was I was reading in the the prologue to the book was in the days or hours right before the raid on the uh, farm or wherever it was he had all the barrels his property yeah. uh, and and it seems as though the author caught uh, Robinson's thought process and how he how Robinson thought that he was so much smarter than the police and that he was one step ahead of them. They were not going to figure him out and that his arrogance had him going around and buying his hot dogs and chicken wings and hamburgers and all that at the grocery store. And the police are following, following him around and and that prologue ends with the cops watching him through the long range lenses of their cameras going, he is just as cool as he can be. He, he doesn't care. 
or he thinks. Okay, her name is one. Linda Robinson, and I just actually found this, and I'm glad you asked about this. Tearful wife of accused serial killer offers her testimony, so she did testify against him in cool. 2002. I'm so glad we didn't end up end up in barrels, Hadley. Well, I read that she didn't divorce him until 2005. Do what? I don't think she could. I don't. I don't know, but she did testify, so that part's good. It may have just um, been the complications of whoever you know him going through trials and stuff that it she couldn't do it till then. Yeah. He had to have lived in just immense fear all the time. If he's the way that, if he's the way that I'm envisioning him, he, she had to live in fear all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A lot of people were very suspicious of her. Like, how could you not know what he was doing? He was running around all over the city. But again, he'd come home at five o'clock every night and go to his kids' recitals and soccer practice and you name it. So yeah, it, he looked painfully normal. Don't they always though? I mean, they don't look yes. like serial killers. Well, if I'm being if I'm being honest, that was my thought. How did how could she not know? On the flip side right. of that coin is. I don't live in that kind of a nightmare. How can I possibly know what she was living through? How could I right. know the fear that she was in? And she had to have been, even if she did know as scared as she was. I mean, he obviously had an immense hold on her. Yes. Well, they married when they were so young when they married and they had their kids in pretty quick succession succession uh, to get married that young I'm sure she had no clue what kind of person he was at that point but to be she you know young and naive and in love and then gradually over time his real personality to whatever degree would have become apparent to her and you know that how women can be victims in marriages and you know they're afraid they don't know how to get out would think that she probably didn't know he was actually killing people, but she, he could have had her scared enough that she did know no more, and that but she was afraid to leave or afraid to tell anyone. Right. Well, and she had his children. Exactly. That just complicates things, you know. If if he says you will never leave, you won't live if you try to leave me and take my kids. I tend to believe somebody who says that just out of fear may not be true. People say that stuff. Yeah. I mean, abusers said that stuff all the time kind of thing, but he was actually somebody who actually knew how to do it and could. <laughs> right. And she probably saw some of his crazy. Plus he was constantly in trouble with the law for embezzling. So you don't jump necessarily from, you know, he's a con man to he's killing women. And putting them in barrels like i wouldn't do that he was taking the social security check or what was the was it the alimony check or what was He's taking the, the alimony the check of that librarian daughter. yeah it was the alimony check from the librarian from the prison 
and it was the um, social security from the mom of the disabled daughter. Yeah. And that's, right. I mean, that's, that was just terrible. I mean, not only did he, you know, do what he was doing to the mom, but then he killed that little girl and she didn't do anything. You know, she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And wasn't a baby that he could sell. Exactly. So, disgusting. It is really disgusting. Because if that was in 1985 that he did that to Lisa Stacy. And I remember, I actually do remember seeing the picture of her with her daughter on her lap. And that's the picture. Like, I remember seeing it on the news. But I, I swear to you guys. I mean, I'm sure it was covered, <laughs> but I, I, I seriously had zero attention uh, span, I guess. I was busy getting married and having kids. I don't know. But it, it's so odd to me because it was right here in my backyard, basically. And he's from Chicago, which I also am from Chicago. So I was like, there's two connections here. And his brother still lives there. That's where Tiffany, the daughter, or... Heather Tiffany now lives. Well, and kudos to her for sticking with her parents and recognizing they didn't have anything to do with that. Because I'm sure true. that was a very hard time when all that came out for all of them. Oh, I can't even imagine. That was my next question. And you answered it. Whether or not they still had... Um, a relationship. Yeah, she said that, you know, they raised her. They were the only parents she ever knew. And so, they were innocent and everything. They yeah, thought they, they yeah, they, they had no idea that he had done that. Well, and I wondered how did he get those documents forged with the, the court, um, the judge, the court papers, the signatures, all that. How did he get uh -oh. that looking so real? I don't know what happened. I'm going. <laughs> what happened to her? Boudreaux is biting my toe. <laughs> you need to stop that. There she is. I'm so <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> I got booted. I was just telling them Boudreaux is biting my toes with his little milk piece. So if y'all hear me squeal, that's what that is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and I, he was considered the first internet killer because he was on there as slave master and he was also someone who was very active in the BDSM stuff and I mean, if it, there would have been a Craigslist back in 2000, I think he would have been on it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, there was a Craigslist killer that came shortly after that. But he was using the Internet as soon as it came out for his own game. Well, I remember when all that happened, hearing about it um, on the news and stuff. But, I mean, I know just myself that I have met people who packed up and moved to be with somebody they met online in the chat room. And 
I just think, you know, how naive people were when the internet first came out that we were, you know, because it's really changed, you think, since what the the mid, was it the, not, no, I guess it was like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, but it really became big. And, uh, you know, I that was the first time I even heard of people dating and meeting people online like that too and people leaving their families and moving across the country mm-hmm. like you heard about it but you you didn't really know a lot of people but I started to know a lot of people that met yeah I've known people that um I know a guy that moved from Canada married a girl in Mississippi I mean I've done a lot of people that have done it and it's I know now but that back then it was very rare I mean in especially in the 90s I and if you heard that you kind of went Oh, that's crazy. You know, you don't even know that person. But then it was like everybody was doing it. It seemed like I, like all my friends were like, I mean, I was getting married. So my coworkers or friends that were single, they were online dating. And I didn't know that was a thing. Because that wasn't a thing when I first started dating. It really wasn't. I mean, even though I was on the internet, I don't know about you guys, but I can go deep diving into the internet even today. But I, the first time when I was exposed to the internet, I was like going, I'd go off into a million different directions. I was supposed to be doing research on something for a paper. And next thing I know, I'm looking at, oh my gosh, look at all that. They have hair ties of every color. And you know, it's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That that cat can has a cheeseburger. (laughs) Right. Like anything that would get my attention, I'd click on it. I was... I was the clickbait. I was like, <laughs> okay. You know, I never, I never got into the whole chat room thing. I didn't really either. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Now I have a sister that thought it was awesome. She would get into, she would go into chat rooms and argue with people because she could. <laughs> I mean, that, and that I have was a friend it. like that now. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets on to fight with people and I'm like I don't understand that but okay gets her blood yeah. pressure all up and she gets in Facebook jail occasionally <laughs> yeah so I I just never got into the whole chat room thing so I that's probably a good thing for me I got into enough trouble you know not having to have chat room temptations well, well th- I- that kind of started with phone do you remember the used to have those phone groups like call and you guys can all talk and you can meet a new set of people. I did that. I mean, I, that was probably in high school, my freshman year. So that I've never even heard of that. I would, I haven't heard of it either, but I was also sheltered. So same. I probably wouldn't have been allowed to even look at it if I knew (laughs) of it. And I never met the people on there. But we just get in there and you just you find a room and they were talking about something and you just join in the conversation. It was well, like the first type of chat room. My, my point is that we were very naive when oh, all yeah. of this started because it hadn't been done before, you know. And now mm-hmm. looking back, it's, you know, it's amazing more people aren't in barrels. Um, it really is. It's just yeah. so risky. To meet people now. And it's kind of off topic, but kind of not. When the movie Fear came out with Reese Witherspoon oh, and God, that's Mark such Wahlberg, a good movie. 
It really is a good movie. Yeah. But my roommate, I was, I was a club hopper, loved going to the club and loved meeting people. And that's going to be the innocent way that I say that. Uh, and she, she would say, I need you to watch this movie right now. Cause you need to stop meeting people. And I watched it, but it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're just meeting them face to face instead of online. Well, it's just a different type of predator. Right. Well, oh, Heather, that's why I say we should have been embarrassed. The, the neighborhoods, the places we went at 17, 18 and 19 are crazy. Now I think back, I'm like, I would not want my child to be going there. I would, I can't oh. believe we did it. I mean, and it's lucky that we aren't in barrels because we did trust people in a way we absolutely, it's naive. I mean, it's that age, you're stupid. But some of those men were 40 years old. Certainly yep. shouldn't have been talking to us. Invincible. Yep. Jamie, you're awfully quiet. Oh, I was just, I, I was going to say something before, uh, when you guys were talking about the chat rooms in the beginning i remember the first time i discovered one well the first time i went on the internet i didn't even know what to do i was just like overwhelmed like what's here and i somehow stumbled into a chat room and the first thing anyone said to me was a dirty comment and i'm like okay i don't understand what this is but um i'm not interested <laughs> it was just uh the, my very first experience with the chat room. And then I just, I really wasn't, I didn't pay much attention to them. Do you remember but, when those, would everybody use AOL or was it AIM? AIM, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you I would randomly get those pop-ups of somebody wanting to cyber sex with you? <laughs> I don't you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I'm sure it happened, but I didn't, see, I wasn't even on AIM. There you go. <laughs> Mine was, yeah, more I just would find myself down the rat hole of something that had nothing to do with why I got on the internet in the first place. And I thought, ooh, this is dangerous. I'm up at four in the morning looking at shit that I shouldn't be when I was supposed to be doing research. I just knew it was fun, but it was, I didn't really interact with people. I actually didn't interact until much later. I don't know if you guys remember when Big Brother came out and they, you could do the live stream. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's what the first time I had an experience in the chat room. And I didn't know what LMFAO was. So <laughs> I asked. And I swear to you, they said laughing my ass off. Well, laughing my, you know, effing ass off. And I wrote back, I said, don't be mean. I'm just asking. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. I'm new to the chat stuff. They said, no, that's what it stands for. <laughs> so... Yeah, that tells you how ignorant I was of the whole thing. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and there was a whole bunch of acronyms. I kept going, what's that mean? Be right back. I didn't know what BRB meant. I was like, wait, what? Okay. So, yeah. Pretty naive. That was in the 2000s. No, I, I didn't know what any of that meant right away either. It took a little time to figure it out. I Some of them might ask, depending on who I was talking to you, like, um, yeah, it took a little while to figure those out. I will and it, it's funny because you said you Googled it. I see. I didn't even. I didn't even think to Google. Like I didn't even know 
that wasn't even a thing in my head. Like, oh, if you want to find out something, Google it. That was not even on my radar. I just was asking my chat room and I wanted to know what they were talking about in there. And I was like, what's that mean? What's that mean? Oh my God. LOL. What the hell? <laughs> we're showing. Yeah. Well, I apologize. We kind of got off on a topic about the internet, but he was considered the first internet killer. Because and of probably that. not the last, and probably and not, the only not the last. One. Yes. Well, and one of the things I found interesting was that they really don't think they know how many people he killed. Yeah, that, and he definitely. won't tell. Why won't they tell? I don't understand. You know, you're in life in prison. You're 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 waiting to be you know go on death row. Why won't you just own up to what you did? Because as long as there are questions, he remains relevant. Oh. Yeah, point. Definitely. And if he tells on himself for other things, it just solidifies that he'll never get out. Like he's, I'm sure, still thinking he can get out, which most serial killers are looking to either not get the death penalty and live or they don't want to make it worse by telling more things because they already look bad. And what was his big game? His big game was looking like the good guy. You know, right. being part of birthright and mm. it just but in his case, he already got the death penalty. So for right. him to not tell them anything else, I think part of it is just that how evil he was and or is, and part of it is you know how he thought he was so much smarter than the cops and everything that it gives him some measure of uh what's the word? I can't think of the word. Um, it feeds it his ego that, control. yeah, that that he knows and they don't know and they'll never know unless he tells them and he's not going to like he feeds off of that. Yes, right. And Suzette Trout Troughton, I'm going to say that right. Suzette Troughton was the one from Michigan, and they said that when they listed off the names of people he had murdered, when they got to her name that was the one the mom had talked to him on different occasions he they said his face went white and he goes you guys were making a big production about this this is not that big of a deal and they were like yeah it is wow wow i think he thought he was going to beat it that's the other thing well they always think that don't you think oh yeah but I mean, I just, I, I think he, I think with Suzette, he really screwed up because he still talked to the mom occasionally and she had a way to get a hold of him. Which now, isn't that the like, one oh. where like he would talk to the mom and like, like he was to the girl's boss? Yeah. <laughs> she was going to be an executive assistant, but she was also going to take care of his dad which I don't even know if he, if a dad was in the picture. I think he just made up dad. Crazy. She was like, I'm just so busy taking care of his dad. Because she didn't want her, her family to know she was into S&M and those kind of things. And I think there was a lot of women who didn't tell on him because of that. Like, I don't think he had a line. But these women 
you know, he'd injure or hurt these women, but they didn't want to tell, like they had agreed to get into this relationship with this dominant figure. And what are they going to do? Go to the police and say, Hey, by the way, he didn't stop on the safe word and he hurt me and said he was going to kill me and all kinds of things. Well, I don't know if I know the cops with that story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't believe that the well, woman... Well, I mean, the thing about the whole story. BDSM, <laughs> the thing about the BDSM lifestyle is a lot of it is fantasy. So yes. where's the line? And, you know, that's the problem with when you have you add someone like him to the mix is, you know, it, he's crossed the line. It's no longer the fantasy. And those women weren't prepared for that. Well, and the thrill of killing was part of it. Like he he would go up to the line and I'm sure injured a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And then was like, I don't know how I'm going to get rid of this body. So maybe I shouldn't kill her. But hmm. she's not going to tell on me because she doesn't want to tell people what she's been saying on these chat rooms. And, I well, mean, yeah. And, and the thing is, uh, a lot about um, BDSM, again, is, is psychological. You know, it's getting inside someone's head. And these women, like I said, they're vulnerable. So not only is he putting himself in a dominant position, but he's getting inside their head and they're sharing those things that make them tick with him because of the trust that's established in those types of relationships. Well, a lot of them are signing. They're signing contracts, too. Mm hmm when they enter those relationships. So these the women that he most likely hurt that never came forward, I mean, there's a piece of paper somewhere where, you know, they agreed to all of these things for the relationship. And yeah. going into, you know, being afraid to go, how do you tell the police this or that? And then, you know, they signed something. You signed this piece same. of paper. And so you kind of asked for it. I mean, you can imagine the shame behind that. Yeah. And that's what the, that's the, he was banking on that and did. Yep. Well, they said that there's got to be more victims. And there was such a time period where he, they weren't watching him and they weren't noticing, you know, some of the things that they didn't connect at all. So kudos to them for finding, you know, connecting some of these different things because like the Overland Park police officer called his counterpart in Olathe where um, the second victim had disappeared. So, you know, I mean, they, they did connect some of it, but it wasn't until the Missouri probation and parole guy contacted the FBI and said, this is big. And there's a baby missing. <laughs> it's not just like one or, you know, a couple ladies disappeared and they went off on vacation. No, no. There's a baby that's missing. Well, it makes you wonder about all the other missing people. Yes. There's a lot of missing people out there. And I think he was definitely responsible for some of those. Yep. We just will never know how many. I'm surprised more women didn't come forward when he, you know, got caught. But I guess it's... Yeah, I think there's so much shame with it. It it was something where, like, you know, we we think that even now, but back then it was really crazy. Like, you 
went across the country to meet up with somebody who was going to, you know, be your slave master and you didn't expect for things to go badly. Like, you know what I mean? I, I would have said, that's crazy. Don't do that. You know, but. Well, ladies, I'm going to stop it there. Um, Let's wrap it up. Jamie, why don't you tell everybody what you got going on? Is she there? Uh-oh. Jamie? Sorry. <laughs> um, my, my computer is freezing up. Um, so I'm okay. currently working I'm currently working on the third book of my Chronicles of the Undead series, uh, hoping for a winter release. I'm also working on two anthologies, which I can't name just yet, but I'll be sure to announce them everywhere once they're out. And other than that, I'm working with Weird, which has been amazing. And you can also find me, uh, the Jamie Hernandez Fan Club on Facebook and Horror Writers Inc. on Facebook. Awesome. What about you, Finley? What you got working on? We are going to uh, have a panel in the next few weeks and we're going to discuss the army of thieves movie um for weird realities or yeah watching weird realities inc um that'll be fun we'll have some of our weird weird friends on with us and some authors from horror writers inc um and then other than that, just hanging with you lovely ladies and gentlemen from time to time. <laughs> Talking about, about terrible you? men. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jen? What you got work, working on? I am working on this with you. This uh, murderous mystery and mayhem. The triple M's. Triple M's. Three M. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Weird murders mystery and mayhem and we shall be back in um what the week after next and i don't know who we're going to be discussing then but you will find out soon enough but until next time stay weird and we will stay weird with you before you go be sure to leave us a comment and let our weird team know how they're doing and don't forget to like subscribe and follow us to get notifications when we add new content We are adding new content three, four, and sometimes five times a month. If you want to keep the conversation going or would like to learn more about our panel of hosts, be sure to check out our link tree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Weird Realities. It links to our official Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and website.